Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. It is my joy to bring our last message to you um, as we conclude this retreat and the weekend on to live is Christ. Um, by the way, uh, last night I, I noticed that um, somebody saran wrapped a car that looked a lot like mine. And, and I think they were trying to get me, but this morning when I went outside, there was an elderly couple, um, retired missionaries that live here, that were wanting to go to church and they couldn't get into their car. And so I think you thought it was my car. And it was! Oh, I got you back! I don't know. Oh. I was watching people go. It was my car. Oh. You guys, just remember, he who laughs last, laughs loudest. <laughs> no, I, I, I saw the humor in it, so uh, that's good. I hope you saw the humor. I, I, did I have anybody going? The people, oh no, is it the wrong car? Well, it's been a great weekend. Uh, it's hard to even, I mean, to think back, beginning, that this wasn't our plan A, you know, um, but I, I just sense it may have been the Lord's, you know. Um, boy, I miss Brett. I love Brett. We're going to try to get Brett on camp, on grounds soon. Does that sound good? Um, but I just feel like the Lord's been doing something really great among us, and I'm grateful for that. I'm so glad you're here for it. We're together in it as the family of Chi Alpha. And, and let me just say this, the word family is not throwaway language. It's actually precise biblical language, that God is our Father, Jesus is our big brother, and we're brothers and sisters. And so it's great to be together as a family, and last night we had a little family celebration at the end, you know, getting up out of that grave, you know. Uh, <laughs> dude, I will always remember Hayden up here, you know, get up, get up. that was awesome, man, my heart just exploded with joy at that. But it's just great to be together as God's family and God's people. And uh, I'm looking forward to our conclusion today. I'm going to try to keep my remarks a little more brief than the other sessions than everybody said. Amen. (laughs) Come on now. It's the first amen I got in all weekend. (laughs) I set you up for it. But um, as we start, I have a confession to make. Um, I am not an iPhone user. I got another amen. I am not. Okay. So when when my oldest son was old enough to get a uh, a phone, which we deemed 13 for him, you know, I told each of my kids, when you turn 13, there's no guarantee you're getting a phone. We're going to evaluate this. You know, like before when people turned 13, they like gave them a knife or something. Now we give them something more dangerous called a phone, you know, (laughs) like, but when he got, he got a phone, I, I mean, we went into the Verizon store and and we picked out, frankly, uh, the cheapest phone we could find, which good thing we did because it took him all of one day to break it, but that's a whole other story. But 
But, but we bought him a Samsung, and uh, he, he got a Samsung. He was thrilled because he had so wanted a phone. Anybody remember those days when you got your first? He was so thrilled. He got it for his 13th birthday, and I presented it to him, and he was so thrilled and so thankful um, for about a year. And then it was like, oh, man, all my friends have iPhones. I just wish I had an iPhone so my bubble would look like their bubble. You know what I'm talking about? Like, why, why does Apple do that? Why do they make non-Apple users' bubble different than other people's bubble? You know, like, to shame them. That's why. To shame them. So, you know, he wanted his bubble to look like everybody else's bubble when he texted. And, and then rumor had it that somehow some of his group texts were a little funky because he wasn't an Apple user. And so it was blowing up other people, you know, the group, ruining the group text. And, and then, you know, he couldn't, you know, play, um, what, what do they call it? The pigeon, whatever, what? Game pigeon. You know, he was left out of those really riveting game pigeon games, you know. He couldn't, basically what it meant was he couldn't flirt with the girl he liked at like 9 o'clock at night by challenging her to a pool game or something. I don't know what it was. I don't, you know you've done it. You know you've done it. When you send a little game pigeon over to him, you're like, ah, oh, game pigeon. Okay, now everybody's going to be paranoid. But he felt left out. He felt left out. He's like, man, I feel left out. Everybody's got the iPhone and I got this Samsung. And so for middle school graduation, Amy and I had a little something up our sleeve. After middle school graduation, we proceeded to hop into the minivan. Because we're cool like that. And take him over to the Verizon store and say, it's time for an iPhone. Really? Are you serious? Yeah, we're serious. Take your pick. And so we, we got him in his, his iPhone, and it was like, a, you know, you, 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 we would have won Parent of the Week, I'm sure, in his, in his book. He got an iPhone. I say all that to say this. This is an iPhone world. This is an Apple world, right? And I refuse to conform. I refuse to conform. I'll keep my blue bubble. Green bubble. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? Will you honor me anyways? I'll miss out on FaceTime. I message, voice memo, whatever that jazz is, you know, all that good stuff. I will miss out on playing pigeon games. But I am going to stay in the dark ages of Android in the midst of an Apple world. Come on now. All right. I am not giving in to the pressure. I am not going to capitulate yet. Yet. First years, maybe by the time you graduate. See, my son and my wife are now iPhone people, so I'm missing out. You know, they can FaceTime each other and do all these things. I can't do it. The reason why I share that is because uh, I want to tell you a little bit about Philippi. Philippi was written to a group of people and written for a group of people that feel like they are Android people in an Apple world. 
okay? Um, let me tell you why they felt that way, felt like android people in an Apple world, because they were a colony of Rome, and this was a very unique thing. Um, Caesar Augustus made Philippi, strategically made them a colony of Rome. They were in the area of Macedonia, and I'm sure all you guys are tracking exactly where that's at, right? But they're in the area of Macedonia, and the Aegean Sea, and then um, the Asia Minor, and basically it's a very strategic place, so Rome could kind of cut through, and, and they made them a colony of Rome. And of course, if you were a colony of the superpower of the world, this would bring great privilege and prestige to your city. It was something they were quite proud of because they were Roman citizens in the middle of an area that wasn't Roman. Does that make sense? Like they had special privileges as Roman citizens. And so as this uh, town, I mean, they were... They were so proud and glad to be Roman citizens. The last thing they would want to do is upset this, the Roman Empire's apple cart and somehow be devoid of their citizens. Like, so they were going to be good citizens of Rome. And uh, so they were, you know, the last thing they wanted to see is somebody put that at risk. Well, in Paul's day, the emperor of Rome was known by a certain title. And that title was Savior and Lord. And so, you know, in in order to be good citizens of Rome and to show that we are all in into this Roman citizenship thing as a colony of Rome in the midst of non-Roman area, you know, it... It was ubiquitous for any time they got together, any event that they had together, that they would declare the the emperor as Lord and Savior. Okay? Well, you can see the conflict, can't you? I mean, the early Christians, when everybody is saying... The emperor is Lord and Savior, so you go to an athletic event, and instead of playing national anthem, they would hail... The emperor is Lord and Savior. You go to the theater, they'd hail the emperor as Lord and Savior. Any public gathering, because it was, they were so proud of the fact that they were this, and they wanted to stay in good favor and good standing with, with Rome. And so, but the believers, they have a different Lord and Savior. And so they can't say that the emperor is Lord and Savior because they have another Lord and Savior, and his name is Jesus. And so they can't say that Caesar is Lord and Savior when Jesus is Lord and Savior. And so you can tell that this put them at odds. This didn't make them very popular in Philippi. In fact, they faced lots of hostility. Let me give you a quote from, again, my theological hero who wrote a couple commentaries on this book. This is his summation. The believers in Christ could scarcely be more out of touch with the sympathies of the local populace than in a place like Philippi. In other words, they were seen as people who um, weren't going with what needed to happen for Philippi, and so therefore they were people who uh, were at odds. They faced opposition. They weren't like, oh, you're one, no, you're one of those Jesus people. They were in opposition. So the question that I want to answer is how do we live in opposition when, here's what we know, here is the truth. 
We know, a, this is one of our Chi Alpha axioms, that what God does in you, he wants to do through you. Okay, so what God has done in your life, what we talked about last night of Jesus being your Savior and, and making you righteous and your Lord, that what he has done in you, he doesn't want it to stop with you. He doesn't want you to be a spiritual cul-de-sac. But he wants what he does in you to flow through you. He wants to do it through you. So anything you experience that Jesus has done in your life, he wants you to now be a catalyst of that in someone else's life. That is a fundamental kingdom principle that what God does in you, he wants to do through you. So how do you live that way where what God does in you, he wants to do through you in the midst of hostility, in the midst of opposition, when you are at odds with the populace of your town because you say someone else is Lord and Savior? Well, I'm glad you asked. Paul tells them how to live in this tension and in the opposition. And I want to give you three quick points and then we're going to apply it together. So turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to read the end of Philippians chapter 1. It says this. I'll give you just a moment to turn there. In case you didn't know we're going to be in Philippians. <laughs> it says this. Verse 27. I'm going to read actually that whole paragraph and then we'll kind of look at these three things. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whatever happens, whatever you face, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit. And listen to this, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now here I still have. And so Paul tells them three things that they need to remember as they live to for God to do through them what he has done in them in the midst of a place that isn't so friendly. And so the first thing that Paul tells them is to remember that they are citizens of heaven. Remember that they are ambassadors of Christ. You say, well, where does it say that? The first verse, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. The, the verb for conduct yourselves is a very um, citizen, it's citizen language. In fact, in the word conduct in, in, in the Greek, it actually has the word polis, so city. It's, it's about how you, how you live as a citizen. And he's reminding them that they are ambassadors of a different of a, of a different kingdom, that their citizenship is in heaven. He'll say later, listen to this, listen how radical Paul was in, in chapter 3. Um, but our citizenship is in heaven. And then listen to what he says, as we await, eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, a different Lord and Savior. Remember that you live in a different kingdom with a different Lord and a different Savior, and it's not the emperor. How subversive. Um. How many people know what Chi Alpha stands for? Chi Alpha stands for Christ's ambassadors. 
What that means is this. Your citizenship is not fundamentally here. It is in heaven. You represent a different kingdom. And here's what an ambassador does. An ambassador represents the interests and the well-being of the kingdom that they are representing. And so they are there to represent and extend the interest of God's kingdom. That's what it means to be an ambassador. If you're an ambassador to, to France or to um, Russia or to the Congo or wherever, you are there to represent your kingdom. Okay, so they understood what it was like, the church in Philippi, what it was like to be a citizen surrounded by area that is not Rome, Right? And what Paul's saying is, similarly, it's true. Now you are an outpost of the kingdom of God in the middle of the kingdom of Adam. In the middle of the kingdom of Adam, you represent a different kingdom. What is Chi Alpha? Chi Alpha is an outpost of the kingdom of God. We're not the summation of the kingdom of God. There are other outposts of the kingdom of God. But we're an outpost of the kingdom of God that represents God's kingdom in the midst of of the kingdom of Adam. And he says, you need to remember who you are. You need to remember that you represent the interest of God's kingdom, that you are there to expand my interest in the kingdom. So that's the first thing that Paul tells them. You're citizens of heaven. Secondly, he tells them this, that our mission is not a solo sport. Um, he says this uh, in verse what verse is it? End of verse 27. Striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. The, the word striving is actually an athletic term. I gave you, uh, can you hit the button one more time or did I miss it? Did I miss it? I may have saved the wrong version. Oops. The word um, striving, I'll, I'll read it to you in the Greek and see if something sounds familiar. The word is Sin athleo. Athleo. What does that sound like? Athlete. It's the word that we get athlete from. In other words, it's an it's a athletic, it, it's about striving together as a team. It's this, it's the, the word that, that we get the um, the, the word athlete from is it's to contend together for, for a common goal like an athlete does to win a game, to win a sport. Okay, Paul says that our mission is not a solo sport, but we strive together as one for the faith of the gospel. Um, I grew up, uh, well, first of all, let me say this. That means our mission is we're to live it out together. It's, it's not a solo sport. We live it out together. So I grew up playing lots of sports. Um, I played team sports and I played solo sports. Did anybody here run track or, or wrestle? I mean, how, many, uh, how many track people? Okay, I see your hand. Yes, I see that hand. Yes. yes. How, about, how about any wrestlers? Any wrestlers in the house? Okay, okay. There is something, yes, there is, uh, I applaud you guys. I applaud you guys. There is something about going out into the middle of a mat by yourself wearing a unitard, you know, in front of everybody. There is something that is way more um, intense, scary, if I will, um, in a solo sport than in a team sport. It is different to get in the blocks knowing that it's all on you or to go out onto the mat when it's 
all on you versus taking the court when you're taking the court with a team or taking the field when you're taking the field with a team because I've done both and I know the different level of nerves involved, okay? And, and, and what, what Paul is saying is this is a team sport. The mission is a team sport. Contend together, strive together as one, as one team, together. Our mission is to be lived out as a team. Now, I want you to uh, imagine this. I, I played football. That's why I'm so... Huge, but um, <laughs> I played football, and I, uh, I was the kickoff return guy, and so basically, I got hit first every game, is what that meant, and I remember I'd run on the side, and he's like, are they hitting hard? I'm like, well, what did it sound like, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> of course, um, but imagine the kickoff, and I receive the ball, but I have no blockers, that I'm playing a team sport like it is a solo sport. Can you imagine that? <laughs> no. I, it, would, it would not go well for me because football is a team sport and I can't try to play it like it's a solo sport. I need the, you know, the big dudes up in front, right? Like anybody who knows football knows that it's all about the line. You need the line shoulder to shoulder, making holes, that you can have a great running back. If you have no line, you are not going to move the ball forward, but everybody has to do their part. You need the big guys pushing people, making the holes. Okay. Well, it is the same way when we look at our mission to advance the gospel. We need everyone doing their part. Content, striving together as one. Man, I, there's something beautiful. Okay, so some of you don't know football. Let me give you, there are these plays where the guard pulls from the right to the left and they bust open this hole so you could drive a Mack truck through that hole, right? And there's something beautiful on hike, all in unison. They just start moving, breaking open the holes. The guy, he could run backwards through the hole. I mean, because the, everybody is doing their part. They're striving together as one and they're moving together and they just make it happen and, and the ball goes forward. That's the way the gospel is supposed to be. Shoulder to shoulder. We're all in it together. We're all doing our part. We're all manning our station. We're all blocking, to, you know, doing so the gospel can go forward where we're at for the faith of the gospel, even in a place that may be tense and even hostile. The mission is not a solo sport. And then finally, number three, Paul tells them to have courage and not to be intimidated. Have courage and don't be intimidated. Where does it say that? Verse 29, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Oh, he says, I want you to go Contend. I want you to understand you're an ambassador of heaven. You're an ambassador of Christ. I want you to understand that this mission, you're in it together and go out there and don't be frightened. Don't be frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Okay, the word frightened is a word that's actually only used once in the New Testament, but um, what was a word picture that would speak of what would happen when a horse would get frightened. Anybody ever seen a horse get frightened? I remember one time I saw a horse get frightened. I don't know, I think... Um, it was 4th of July and firework went off and the horse got startled, got frightened, jumped over this wooden fence, a high wooden fence, didn't quite clear it all, broke the board on the way over. The horse was absolutely frightened. Why was that? I mean, it, the horse was going to do whatever it took to get out of there, right? Because it sounded like shots were fired or something and so it jumped the fence. 
And Paul says, we are in it together and don't be intimidated. Don't be frightened. Anybody ever gone to a uh, like Halloween haunted house thing where you don't know what's going to jump out around the corner? Or like a pitch black room. You ever been to one of those? What do you naturally do? Hold on. To, if there's somebody there, you're like, you're like shuffling your feet through. Okay, we're, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. Why do you hold on to each other? Because when you're in it together, it's less scary. You want to be really frightened, go out into a cornfield by yourself. <laughs> now that's scary. Don't be frightened. You know, um, it's, the Bible says that we are the fragrance of Christ in 2 Corinthians. We're the fragrance of Christ. And this word picture, I, I love that word, word. Have you ever walked by somebody and they just smell good? Or they walk by you and there's like, they just leave a little aroma. Yeah, that smells good. I remember when I, when I was in high school, there was a, a girl that she just wore, I didn't know what she was wearing, but when she walked by, she smelled good. So I started dating her. Anyway, <laughs> true story. <laughs> That's the girl who came to the camp and, yeah, connecting Friday. Okay, so. <laughs> all right, there you go. There you go. That's how it all started. We're to be the fragrance of Christ. But the Bible says this. The Bible says this. To some, the fragrance of Christ is the is the fragrance of life, that, that they smell something that's attractive and appealing to it, and they're drawn to it. They're like, they're drawn to that, that beautiful smell, the smell of life and light and forgiveness and grace and love. But then you know what else it says? To some, the fragrance of Christ is the stench of death. And what Paul is saying is when don't, Get out the Febreze and the oust trying to cover the fragrance of Christ. Boldly exude the fragrance of Christ. Don't try to water down your faith and oust your faith so it will smell acceptable to people. Be who you are. Don't be frightened. Don't become introverted in your faith. Be extroverted in your faith because for some, it is the fragrance of life. Don't be frightened. One thing that I know and um, we learn actually in the book of Philippians is this, is that courage is contagious. He's telling them, be courageous. Courage is contagious. Let me give you an example of how courage is con contagious. We, we actually talked about this briefly on Friday. Go ahead and go to the next slide if it's there. Uh, nope, sorry. I, I, I changed things this morning, and I guess it didn't get on my flash drive. Sorry, it's not her fault. It's my fault. Let me just read you how courage is contagious. Uh, just look back a couple of verses in chapter 1. We read this on Friday, verse 14. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. He's saying, I am in here. I'm proclaiming the gospel to... to, to uh, to the palace guard, and because of my change, because of what is happening, because of the courage, actually it's emboldening other people. Wow, if Paul can do it, I can do it. We talked about this on Friday, right? And so they all the more started to proclaim the gospel in the midst of the hostility of Rome without fear. 
Here's what I know. Courage is contagious. Guys, if you're courageous and the person next to you starts to be more courageous, and when those two start to be more courageous, then the other person in your small group starts to be more courageous. And all of a sudden, you're walking courageously shoulder to shoulder as ambassadors of Christ, not frightened, but saying, we are here because what God has done in us, he wants to do through us, and we want to be ambassadors of his kingdom here. Courage is contagious. And Paul tells them he wants the same thing to happen in Philippi that happened in Rome. And he wants the same thing to happen at UVA that happened in Rome. He wants courage to to be bold with our faith, to be contagious. Um, Then Paul says this, and this is kind of an interesting verse. This is after he talks about without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. And then he says, with you not being frightened, with you being courageous, here's what's going to happen. They're going to threaten you. They're going to do whatever they can, but you are going to refuse to be frightened. And he says this, and this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed and that you will be saved and that by God. In other words, your courage and your willingness to love even when it's hostility towards you, your willingness to be bold even when it may not be that that is actually going to be a sign of the truth of the gospel and that you are different. Let me tell you a story. Um, a few years ago, I, was watch- I had a friend who was a missionary in the Middle East send me a clip. And the clip was of an Egyptian newscast where it was one of the most famous newscasters in Egypt who was interviewing a couple widows who had, whose husbands had been martyred, and they were Christian widows. And he was asking them questions, and they say, no, we forgive the people who did this. And his jaw was like dropping. He couldn't believe what they were saying. We forgive them. And they just started talking about how Jesus was still Lord of their lives. You know, and, and basically, they were unmoved um, away from their faith. And here's what he said. He said this, as he ended the interview, he said to his audience, these Christians are made of something different. They're made of something different. And when I saw him, like, he's right. It's called the Holy Spirit. They're made of something different. I love how the book of Philippians ends. The book of Philippians ends with this verse. Actually, it's the second to last verse. Ready? So he's sending his greetings to the church in Philippi from Rome. And this is what Paul says. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. (laughs) I love that verse. It's his way of saying, by the way, you know the palace guard that's been chained to me? They're now brothers. They're now part of God's people. The gospel has penetrated to the very center of the Roman Empire. We're on the inside, baby. (laughs) I love it. Don't be frightened. You be faithful. You do what you're called to do. You be an ambassador. You be courageous. You remember this is not a solo sport. This is a team sport. And the gospel will penetrate into places you could never believe. Then they send their greetings from Caesar's household. Oh, I just love it. I love it. And I just want to encourage you. 
If it can penetrate to the center of the Roman Empire, it can penetrate into your dorm, into your program, into your sorority, into your fraternity. There's no place if we'll just do this together. And be the fragrance of Christ. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We have some cards we want to pass out. I want you to get the card and I want you to hold it um, just for a second. Then I want to explain it to you. So please hurry, guys. Um, I want to do this quickly because I want us to end soon. So let's try to expedite it. On the edges here. We were planning on doing this when Brett was speaking. (laughs) Um, So we didn't make these cards this weekend. Give you a second to get the cards. In light of these three truths, can you go ahead and put the the three truths up again? Um, That'd be great. In light of these three truths, I... I want us to think about how after fall break, we can strive together as one for the faith of the gospel on grounds. Amen? How we can be shoulder to shoulder. And so what we're going to do, in in the past sometimes we've had something called Engage UVA, which is like a big week of evangelism. And it was very, you know, we were very, uh, it was like one big thing. But what we're going to do this year in the month of October, we're going to do micro version of Engage You. Can I get one of those cards if there's an extra one? Can I just grab one um, so I can have one in, in my hand while we're doing this? And what we're going to do is we are going to ask for all of us to get shoulder to shoulder in the month of October and to be people who are who are bold, who are ambassadors, who are together in the mission and courageous in the mission. And so we're asking every core group or every brother-sister group. So perhaps your core group is in a place where it'd be better for you to partner with. A, actually, you know what brother-sister groups are actually called? Missional brother-sister groups, where you could join together to pull off the mission together. Maybe you're like, well, I think my core group would like to do their own thing, and my sisters can do their own thing, or vice versa. Or maybe you'd like to pull together. But here's what we're going to ask you to do. Would you plan one thing that you guys would do as a group that would be absolutely 100% missional. And so what we've done is we've come up with some ideas to help you think about what that could look like. And what we want you to do is we want you to pick something you would be excited about inviting your friend to. Something that you'd be excited about, like if we did this, I think I'd get my friends to come to this. And so we're not telling you what to do, but we're trying to research you to make it as easy as possible, okay? And so on here are a few ideas like, and we'll go over those ideas in just a moment. But we want you to pick something that you can invite your hallmates to. Maybe it'd be in proximity with your dorms if you're a first year. Or something you can invite people in your sorority or fraternity to. You can invite people from your program to. Basically, we want it to be fun. We want you to feel good about inviting people and introducing them to your community in Chi Alpha with the goal of introducing them to Christ. And so... Um, there are a lot of options that we have that you guys, that we could help resource. Like one would be, um, we have from last year from the pandemic, we bought these great big blow-up screens and these little projectors that once it's dark enough outside, they work. (laughs) And you could get those and set it up and have a huge karaoke party with your core group, brother, sister group, and invite people 
that you would have been wanting to invite into the community of Chi Alpha. And here's what happens when those friends show up, everybody knows what to do. You surround them with love and laughter. (laughs) Right? You have a great time, you take great interest in them, and you boldly invite them into the community because here's what we believe. That many people, what I've seen over 20 years, what what many people um, do when they come to Christ is they belong before they believe. They start to experience the love of Christ, and then they receive the love of Christ. Okay? And so it could be that. Or it could be pancakes that you set up somewhere and, and, and make pancakes for a dorm or, or for your department or over in, in the rugby area where you know some people and you invite them to come out and you guys are on mission when you're there. Maybe it's you, you uh, get the big screens and you have a dance dance revolution time uh, t- together outside of, right? Like, or you play a bunch of FIFA together or you play smash bros together or whatever it is you like to do, right? This is about what you would like to do with your friends, with your community for the purposes of drawing them in and building relationships for the purposes of Christ. Maybe it's as simple as a game night at one of your houses or in a dorm lounge. But here, here's what I don't want. I don't want to just become a brother-sister game night. I want it to be a game night where you invite people in and when they show up, they're the stars of the party. Are you guys following me? Maybe it is a, a painting night or a baking night where you, when people come, they're, you know, they're tied together and you got to like each use your left hand, your right hand together and you bake, bake something together. It could be in your dorm. It could be in one of your houses. I don't know, right? Like it could be a jam session. I don't know. So here's the thing. All of those things we can help you make happen. And so there's a QR code that Bradley um, Uh, put here. And when you click on it, it will pull up a menu and you can say, hey, we're here. Here's our core group or our brother, sister group, however you'd want to do it. And here's the event we are most excited about trying. And when we think we could try it or come up with a better idea, your idea goes here. Like we don't care what it is. And if we can help facilitate it, then we will be glad to help facilitate it. And if we did this all over grounds, one time in the month of October, okay, it spills over November, who cares? The mission doesn't end when the calendar changes. Okay, who cares? Just one time. What would happen? How many people would start to be engaged and then they're being invited into your core group, they're invited to M&L and all of a sudden we are shoulder to shoulder in this mission. It's not a solo sport. We're being ambassadors, who we are, Chi Alpha, and we're going forward courageously. Let me add one other thing. Core group members, don't wait on your core group leader to organize this. Own the mission. You can do it. All right? So here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're, we're going to give you 10 minutes. And I want you to do two things. I want you to just get together and talk. What could you do? When could you? I mean, just start, start putting things in motion. And then, and maybe you're like, well, my core group's not here. Okay, whoever's here, talk. And then talk about it with your core group when you get back. Okay. And, and please, um, your core group leaders work hard. This isn't... This is something we're all in it together, right? This is an opportunity for you to, like, what would you like to do? Now, what were your core group leaders like to do? Okay. And then the other thing I want you to think about, in fact, before you move, I want you to do this. 
I want you to, in your phone or on your notes, write down a name of somebody you would hope you would be able to engage as your core group or your brother-sister group, missional brother-sister group reaches out. Write down one name. Will you do that? Who comes to your mind? Just Could be a roommate, could be a hallmate, could be a fraternity brother. Could be that person who sits by you in statistics that's smarter than you. If we do this, we can see the gospel penetrate to the center of our grounds. If it happened in Rome, it can happen at UVA. Guys, this is what it looks like to live where we say to live as Christ, right? Boy, I'm excited what the Lord has done this weekend. How many people say the Lord has done some great things among us this weekend? Let's go forward as ambassadors of Christ with Jesus as our Savior and Lord. He's the one we give our allegiance to. Let's not be frightened. Let's go courageously and let's go shoulder to shoulder. Isn't it good that we're not in it alone? We've got a band of brothers, a band of sisters that we're in it with. And uh, let's strive together. Let's take ownership of the mission and let's see God do more great things. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com.